What up, former party people? It's me, Jerry, the bipedal one from the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Now, if you're finding value in listening to the AIFA podcast every week and you want to support sharing it with others, then we invite you to become a sustaining monthly or per show contributor. Go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. It's super easy and it only takes a quick moment. It's about as easy as buying a pre-cooked chicken from the grocery store, taking it outside, giving it a big old kiss, and kicking it into traffic. (laughs) Why would you do that? Anyway, you do you, and I'll do me. Again, go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. Okay, let's start the show. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism, one letter at a time. So I want to talk to you about our sponsors, Jerry. You know our sponsors. Okay, fine, he says. Um, But for those of you listening, you've tuned into the Ace for Alcoholic podcast. You probably know that because you clicked on this wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, it's not like you accidentally are listening to it i don't maybe it's in the room i have no idea but you're like oh shit i do have a drinking problem no um (laughs) but i wanted to talk about our presenting sponsor green camel press and what it is and it's it's myself and my other uh partner uh, and we do we do a lot of different art stuff we make greeting cards we do what we like to call digital doodles. We do custom ones for anybody who's interested. And I'm currently offering, if you buy a t-shirt, we'll do one for free. And what is a digital doodle, Jerry? Say you want to... What is... What? I don't know. <laughs> Tell me. I'm real curious. Yes. Say you want to do something nice for your lady or like even, cool. you know, a friend or your mom for Mother's Day or Father's mm-hmm. Day is coming up and maybe somebody who really appreciates art. And you say, well... Let's do something for my dad. It's first birthday, and he likes fixing old cars. And um, um, I don't know what else he likes to do. He likes the color blue, right? Charlie's Angels too. And Charlie's Angels, and I go boom. Yeah. So you buy a T-shirt, and we set you up with a little. I send you a digital file. We take and we draw out some old cars, some denim blue, and some Charlie's Angels, and say mm-hmm. "Happy Birthday" pops on it. And we chop it up and we add some effects and some music and we make it into, you know, a shareable piece of a file that you can share on social media for your dad's birthday. And then you have that. So it's like a personalized e-greeting card. And it's Mm -hmm. not just one of these little e-cards where you click open the email and it pops up and it's like just an owl jumps out and says, I'll be your valentine. Um, right, or they just paste your face on a dancing elf. It's not the the, the elf's dancing them way too fucking sexy. Yeah, do you know yeah. like the, that's the jib jabs? Yes. The, yeah, it's not quite as weird and creepy as it's the not jib a, jabs. It's, it's not as hot, huh? Mm-hmm. So if that sounds like something you would like, you should go yeah. check it out. Um, GreenCamelPress.com. You can send us a message here, GreenCamelPress at gmail.com, wherever. Where you can check us out on Instagram and Facebook. And we are on Twitter, although I don't use Twitter too much. Are you a Twitter? You're not a Twitter no. guy. Nah. I don't really understand it fully, or at least it doesn't. I should. I shouldn't say that. I understand it. It's just you know notes, whatever. But it's not really my thing. I yeah, know. I don't know. It just seems like people being mad or like hating each other. So yeah. I don't really fuck with Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, go check us out at Green Camel Press. Right. Um, and get off Twitter, man. Yeah. Fuck Twitter. <laughs> Also, uh, Gluten is Not Your Problem is our other uh, podcast with our good friend Walter. And this week he tells us about his, um, you've heard this story, I've heard this story, his his involuntary uh, three-day LSD trip. Oh, yeah, You I was were there. in this story because I, I guess yeah, you, yeah. you were annoyed with him. At one point he went to your house and you thought he was just like joking. No, no, I didn't. I thought he was just being eccentric, Walter. He yeah. got dosed at my birthday party. Yeah. Oh, oh, he yeah. Did, that didn't come up that it was at your birthday uh, party. It was my birthday party, and then I don't know if he told the whole story, but he someone did. dosed him. Yeah, he he got dosed at my party, and then stuck around my house because he was so damn high he couldn't leave, and so he like lived with me for three days. <laughs> he left all that out where he was just like, oh, he didn't sleep for those. I mean, he slept maybe in just tiny bits like it, it hit him like a train wreck but yes i did get annoyed i was like 
being an asshole. It's like, the fuck, dude? But you didn't know that he had been dosed. I did and didn't. I mean, at one point, finally, he was like, yeah. I, think, I think I drank LSD. And I'm like, well, get your shit together. Mm-hmm. So um, gluten is not your problem. We talk a lot about food culture, but also these, these stories from Walter's life, which are fascinating, interesting, and, and quite entertaining. So go check this out. Go check us out at Gluten Is Not Your Problem podcast. Also, one that I did, we started with my girlfriend about our fitness journey, our health journey, mm-hmm. our relationships, um, called Rashida and John. And you can just Google that, Rashida and John, and we're up there. Did you get a chance? You didn't listen to that one, did you? I, no, I'm still okay. trying to finish that Mishka, Mishka Shubali book. Okay. It's uh, <laughs> I still got like six hours left, man. It's a very long book. There's a lot of there's a lot of content out there, and I just want to say, if you are listening to us right now, um, we appreciate that. So yeah, thank um, you. There's a yeah. lot of ways that you can spend your time. We keep putting out more content, and you know, there's there's tons of stuff that you could be doing, and you're here listening to us. So we appreciate mm-hmm. that. So go check out any of our sponsors, and um, let's start the show. Uh. All right. Me. Well, there you go. I was started. Hey, I got that green green camel press shirt on right now too. Is it a nice shirt? It's nice. It's a good fit. I look like a dope ice cream man. It's awesome. <laughs> yes. You should get get a t shirt too. I had to throw that in there because I literally am wearing it right now. And I was gonna <laughs> while he's having an asthma attack, I was gonna horn it in there. But it's good. It's good. Yeah. It's a good looking shirt. You look good in it. Yeah. Oh, um, cool ice cream man. Lots of podcasts and t-shirts and digital doodles, so go check us out. Yeah, yeah buy some stuff. Listen to our stuff. Or, yeah. Today's letter <laughs> is V. 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 Um, and so we wanted to discuss the voluntary sobriety is what we're calling it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And the it, idea that for me... And again, and this is another thing I just want to let everybody know is I, I know I listen back to some of the podcasts and I, I sometimes hear myself say, you know what you should do as a, as if I'm speaking to the the listener and right. I don't, I don't speak for anybody else, but myself. And I, I really, if, if you glean anything from, from what we talk about here, it's because it comes from our own experience and right. I, I certainly am not here to tell anyone what to do. Um, which I think goes in line with the idea of it being a voluntary thing. Right. Because I know for me, there were many, many signs and decades, well, maybe not decades, but a decade plus, there were years uh, where when I was drinking, there were signs that I should have stopped. Um, Yeah. People had constantly told me I drink too much. Uh, I'd been told by, you know, no, I'm serious. Like, I know I'm laughing because I was probably one of them. Yeah. I mean, even, yeah. even those of us like you and I and be like, Jesus, man, you fucking, how drunk it's, did you get last night? Like, yeah. you know, it's too much, man. You got to take it easy. And you're like, Slow yeah, your yeah, roll, yeah, man. yeah, tie your shoes, mm-hmm. man. You're tripping. <laughs> yeah. And so it wasn't until I was ready and I was willing and I volunteered to be, to be sober. Did it, did it stick? And yeah. I don't think like I only tried maybe three times to take a break, but I had every intention of starting back up. I think there was a time I right. took a couple months off. There was a time I took a month off. And I think there was a time where I took like two weeks off that I can remember. Right. Did you ever take breaks? Yeah, I did actually. And my first, it's funny you bring it up because my first long break was involuntarily. Mm-hmm. Is it involuntary? Involuntarily? Involuntary. Because I had broken my leg and they had me on Percocets and I couldn't, I, I guess I could drink on the Percocets, but I decided not to. So I was sober, not sober, I was alcohol free <laughs> for about 10 weeks. Wow. And, uh, yeah, but, but I was eating a steady stream of fucking Percocet the okay. entire time, though. You know, I was just like, yeah, the circus is in town. <coughs> um, brought all its pets. The circus you, pets. <laughs> the circus pets, yes. Yeah. Did you did you notice, I mean, even I guess you have a broken leg and you're high on Percocets. You're not really noticing much other than just trying to get through the day. But you, Well, yeah, be, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask, you didn't notice anything like there was never a point where you're like, oh, this feels good. I'm not drinking no. alcohol. I didn't think about the alcohol. I would miss it. But then I was so fucking loaded on 
Percocets that I didn't, you know, I wasn't yeah. thinking anything. Yeah. You know what's funny is actually, you know, I was listening to that um, that uh, podcast with um, Craig Ferguson and um, Pete Holmes. Pete Holmes, right? And Craig Ferguson was talking about how he had taken a break from alcohol and he had taken that. His girlfriend said he was doing so well he could have that glass of sherry. <laughs> and he had that glass of sherry and he had this like religious experience. And I didn't drink for 10 weeks and my ex-girlfriend and I went to the coast and uh, I was like, oh, well, I'm off the perk. I've been off the perks now for a couple of days. Like, I think I can drink. And she's like, you should have a cocktail with me. And man, I had that first whiskey and Coke and I had literally had a fucking religious experience. And I, like I ex- when he was talking about it on that podcast, it really well, like gave me goosebumps because I experienced that same thing. Tell me like, more. Tell me what it was like. Like, where were dude, you at? It was, was it- fucking OK. So we were on the Oregon coast in Florence staying at Driftwood Shores. We we're in the. We we're in the big. Uh, we we're in the restaurant with all the big windows overlooking I the beach. I think I've been there. Yeah. Yes, but this was at night, so you could just hear the waves because it was a nice night. So they had the windows open, and I took that first sip of whiskey and coke, which was probably their well. It was probably like Brokers or like Beams, like that Beam Five Star, or whatever mm-hmm. Eight Star. But yeah, dude, and like I don't want to bite Ferguson what he said too much, but it literally was like it hit my tongue and like angels sang. Like I fucking cried. I straight up like I didn't weep, but I teared up. I turned red and got ruddy and a tear like tears came out of my eyes from tasting this alcohol, right? And I literally thought, Oh, you're back. What's up, old friend? It was like seeing your best friend at the airport after not talking to him for years. It was mm-hmm. fucking crazy, right? And in that moment I was like, Oh, I'm a fucking alcoholic like this shit is real but it was still romantic to me then you know i was still charles bukowski i was still fucking hunter thompson i was still that dude so it, and it started really right back f- up it started right back up i mean i drank like five more <laughs> i drank five more and then i remember running on the beach shit face being like i can run because i couldn't run because i limped for like three months i limped for almost an entire year i broke my leg so bad and woke mm-hmm. up my legs sore as fuck from running, hung over, Ugh. just sand everywhere. It was, you know, there was no, it was, there was, it just that experience when he mentioned it, it gave me goosebumps because I've been in that seat where I had um, not had any for so long. You know, I had denied myself for so long. And then when I finally had it, it was like this chemical explosion in my brain. I And I honestly, to this day, I don't think I've experienced anything quite like that. You know, I felt joy. I felt elation. I felt these huge, giant, operatic emotions, but nothing like that. Like, that was the weirdest thing ever, you know. Would you, but that's not something you would ever trade in for anything you have now. No, because it's so short lived, man. It really is. It's it like comes a with fire. Such a cost. It's, it's a firecracker that comes with a cost, you know? It's so to me, and I'm not saying it was a positive. To me, the positive is that I haven't felt that feeling with other things because if I ever mm-hmm. do feel that way about something else, then I'm just going to overdo that shit and then I'll have to just do another fucking podcast about it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and my books are full, man. This Monday's already too Dude, much. I'm know? telling you. Yeah, you know? What do we do? An hour a week? About an hour. About two hours in total when we talk. That's a lot, you know? For um, me. And and as far as I also wanted to ask you about this other I don't want to call it an addiction that you've been battling or at least thinking about lately with the uh, Diet Coke. Dude, I've been you've been fucking with them DCs, dude. <laughs> the Diet Cokes, man. So it was just it started with what, coffee and then you have a couple of Diet Cokes. I I quit drinking normal soda. Like I've had maybe two sips of like a normal Pepsi cuz I liked I love soda. Mhm. I and uh, I remember when I drank, I drank whiskey and cokes, and then or bourbon and cokes, and then I thought I was being healthy by cutting the coke out. So it'd just be bourbon and club soda, or bourbon and water, or just warm bourbon, whatever. The health drink, yes. Yeah, that is a health drink, warm bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> and then I started drinking cokes when I got sober because I needed. I my body like was screaming for the sugar. And then when I started watching my calories, I was like, "Fuck, dude! One can of coke's like 140 calories. That's like eating like two apples. Mm-hmm. I could eat two apples and be full." And feel sated, you know. So then I, yeah, about five, six months ago, I started picking up the DCs, the Diet Cokes. And we were talking about this earlier. It's not, I don't know, man. It's just that, uh, the I don't know if, is it habituation? That's the word I kept using. I don't know if that's a real word, but mm-hmm. it's that habit. It's like that addict 
that addict in me is like, you're going to drink three Diet Cokes today? Maybe you can have four, buddy. You know, like maybe you can have five. It's the weekend. Maybe you crush the six pack, which I haven't done yet. I haven't. I don't think I could. But the idea that you're thinking I mean, I think about it is, of it. Yeah. is that there may be a pattern or a habit that Dude, there, you don't want to be. a pattern. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That you don't want to be and stuck I, on. That's the one thing about recovery that I've noticed is that I see the patterns now <clears throat> in, in things I do compulsively. And then I realize, oh, this isn't just an alcohol thing. This is a Jerry is compulsive about shit thing. Yeah. I'm compulsive about shit that makes me feel good. It's just my particular flavor happened to be bourbon and fucking camels, you know, camel cigarettes, <laughs> you know, like, you know, it could have been any number of things. But yeah, yeah. I um, yeah. I was feeling the same way. Similarly with the um, with ice cream, I told you, you know, I, we, I, that that story is I, I love so, it because I see myself in it, though. That's the thing. And so yeah. I, you, if you listen back to if you're if you're if you're a fan, you know, but I just want to tell real quick that I would. I would eat a lot of ice cream because that was my replacement. And right. I would go and I would start, I would go to each one of the stores around here, the little corner store, the little liquor store. I'd go to the right. 7-Eleven here. I'd go to the 7-Eleven there and I'd hit all the grocery stores. Right. And so I'd buy like three or four of them, you know, yeah. I'd be like, mm-hmm. you know, you got to stock up. <clears throat> and, um, that's, you know, there's always be some banter in my head that I'd be ready to tell the, 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 um, the checkout the, stand. The guys at the office yeah. love this one. Guy, oh, yeah. I'd be like, eh, oh, get a big bag of M&Ms for the, for the guys at the office or something like that. But yeah. I, I think I would say, like, you know, yeah, just getting getting stuff for a party or something like that, right? <laughs> Fucking unsolicited lies to oh. cover up my addiction. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I would take them home, and I would eat one, and I would think I was only going to eat one. But I would have, like, two or three or four in the in the freezer, and then I would eat the second one, and I would fall asleep. And I would wake up and there would be bile on the back of my throat from like just the sugar and cream that would be like after I yeah. laid down mm-hmm. creeping back up. And it was disgusting. And I would wake up coughing and hacking and like felt like I was dry heaving with like mm-hmm. it was just disgusting. So it was horrible, horrible behavior that had terrible results. And I continued to do it. Right. Now, it's not necessarily the same as a few Diet Cokes, but when you start no. to see that pattern, and then I would try to find loopholes. Well, I can get that halo top because it's really right. low calorie. Right. And even when I was counting calories in February, you know, I'd be like, well, three halo tops. If I get this one, I can keep it under 900 calories. And if I go work out at the gym and if I can burn off 600, that means I can still and only eat cucumbers. Like- Motherfucker, cucumbers. That's great. With hot sauce on them or a little bit of salt. So I'm doing all this shit just so I can crush three pints of strawberry well, halo dude, top. You called me and you're like, oh, man, I discovered these halo tops are great. And I'm like, yeah, I, I eat halo top all the time. And you're like, yeah, man, I can eat a whole pint for like 300 calories. And I'm like, why the fuck are you eating the whole pint? Like I do a serving. It's a half a cup. It's 90 calories. And you get that ice cream craving out of the way. And you're like, no, nah, no, nah, I fuck with the whole pint, Jerry. And I'm like, Jesus. All right. Whatever, you know, and you can't. I mean, you do you. I mean, do what you got to do. But, you know, that's fucking wild man shit. But I, and I also, to me. yeah, I wasn't going to be told not to. Even, no, though, even, though I, no. even though I felt that it was bad, I didn't feel mm-hmm. good about it. I was really unhappy to like, I just throw another paper pint in the uh, recycle bin. It just had all the reminiscent of that whiskey all the and beer, beer bottles beer in bottles. the fucking yeah. recycling bin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Being super embarrassed because, uh. yeah. Because mine would be like every week would be eight fucking whiskey bottles. And mm-hmm. Be like, oh, I like to party. Yeah. By myself a lot. <laughs> I, yeah. Not, uh, uh, we have to, we do a lot of entertaining. <laughs> yeah. A lot um, of entertaining. And so just that it, it, it became even taking ice cream. Like I had to say to myself, I'm done eating it. I'm finished. I have to stop completely. Right. And it's different with food than, say, with alcohol, because I know that I will never, ever, ever, if I want to keep my recovery the way that it is, and I do very much so, I will never mm-hmm. drink alcohol again. That's the plan. Right. I don't yeah. I don't claim to predict the future. But right. it's different with food, right? So Diet Coke, like, you can kind of slip here. Get a little weird Ice there. Cream. A little weird over here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got excited because there's this place that's doing like sugar-free, dairy-free ice cream, whatever, blah, 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 frozen bananas. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> and then I'm already thinking, well, can I get some to go? Can I get a pint to go? How many pints can I get? 
Where is Man, this you get a relapse on ice cream, dude. <laughs> you know, fucking, you're gonna have ice cream in your mini fridge in your closet. Uh huh. And and so what? Whatever it is, it had to be my choice to quit drinking, to quit well, ice cream. Right. Food is weird because my dad was telling me once that he really needed to make a meeting. He was having a really hard time. Have I told you the story about my dad and his uh, so. the Overeaters Anonymous? And I've met some people no. in OA too. So my dad was having rough time he needed to be around some program and so he went to an oa and overeaters anonymous meeting you know because he couldn't find any you know of the other meetings mm-hmm. and uh he was like damn dude those people not only do they have it tough he's like they're tough as fuck and i'm like what do you mean he's like because you need food to live jerry you got to eat three times a day to stay to function as a human being he's like what do you think you would do if i had to put oh you're only allowed to take three shots of tequila a day you know, because my dad's drink of choice is tequila, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, can you imagine if I put down three? You're only allowed to drink three shots of bourbon every day, and you could only do it at certain times during the day. He's like, that that would be too much, right? Because you'd want to go off the fucking rails, like. Yeah. Right? So yeah. he's like, so I'm, he's like, so you want to go to a good meeting every once in a while, you should get your ass in an OA meeting, and that's some sobriety right there. You know, that's some, like, recovery, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, crazy that's the that makes it that's a great point and i never thought about that right. that's because you have to you it's controlled eating which controlled right. drinking we know doesn't fuck. work for us i just don't even want to think about controlled drinking because no. it's just nah dude fuck that i just i can't i can't if i think about it like my brain like just turns itself in a knot you know like i would be so stressed out and anxious and and worried and right i mean already i'm thinking i'd have to hide it from people and if i only did this and I couldn't hide it from everybody for long enough for it to be and right. It just wouldn't. It would fall apart too quickly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Way too quick. So, right? I think the, the quality of this podcast would go downhill. <laughs> yes, it would very much, very much. Ugh. I it's, it it's so when you try to approach somebody or say you try to you want to talk to somebody or. Or you you know people in your life, your friends that drink too much, that you know if they were to answer honestly would probably say they had a drinking problem. I mean, what's the best thing that you think you can do for somebody who is in that situation? I get what they call in the program a um, a twelve step uh, right. call, which basically right. just means it's it's kind of like a rush intervention. Um, and they don't do it so much anymore because so many resources are available to people. It's right. definitely something from like the nineties, the like 80s, my dad's the 70s. fucking like yeah. They would my dad's go, old. Basically, go kidnap a drunk guy and put him in the truck and get him to a meeting or a detox center or, or rehab or whatever it is. And so it's they not, remind me of um, you know what AAers. I, I know we're not you know yeah. whatever. What AAers remind me of fucking vampires, right? Mm-hmm. Because. Technically, they're not supposed to really come around until you invite them in. Do you know what I mean? They don't come and say, hey, come be a fucking vampire with us. Like, you have to, like, invite, invite in. that into your life, you know? Like, it's it's a weird thing. It's not like they go canvassing everywhere and saying, hey, quit drinking with us. You know, no, that's the whole purpose of the program is that you have to find it. And then once you find it, you, like, invite, invite it you in. You have to know? want it. You have to – yeah, but it's not even, like – it's it's weird, right, to think about. It. Okay, because you bring up intervention, which is really interesting. Because that was the other thing I wanted to discuss as far as voluntary sobriety, sobriety, right? Because I think every sobriety, at some point, when when it becomes when recovery becomes maintained, it becomes voluntary. Voluntary. Yes. Like even if you get stuck into like a Johnson unit or a Buckley house or a you know a place to dry out, you don't want to be there, and they put you there in shackles, and then you leave there and decide to maintain that recovery and that sobriety then it becomes voluntary, right? So at any point, some point, recovery, sobriety, be, actually sobriety becomes voluntary at any point when you decide to maintain it, right? So with interventions have always interested me. They always have, right? Because it's like this person needs to want it. Do you know what I mean? And maybe sometimes them hearing how bad it is to those people around them, how bad it's mm-hmm. affecting everyone else, maybe that is what shines the light on them. But I've also been, I know, inactive alcoholism and they would have intervened i've had you know what i mean if they would have intervened me i would have been like ah fuck that you know like mm -mm. i'm sorry i hurt everyone it'd be another thing for me to feel bad about while i was getting fucked up to be honest with you i yeah i hear that yeah i I, wouldn't have been receptive to it 
I wouldn't have. I don't think so either. I mean, I, 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 and again, I can, I can only imagine, but I would have been just going, Oh, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. And I can, I can, I can control it and I'll be fine. There would be like, so we can get you on a plane right now to passages in Malibu. What do you say right now? We can go. Oh, you mean right now, right Right now? now? Like you mean right now? Oh no, no. I can do it in a couple days. No, no, I can't do it right now. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I've never been that close to somebody, myself not included, who could have at, there have been moments in my life where I wish somebody would have come, I think, and picked me up just because the hangovers are so horrible and frightening and, <sighs> yes. and hellish yeah. and just like puking and, and, and just, just my head would not stop pounding all day yeah. long, like wake up at 8 a.m. and it just pounds until you finally fall back asleep at like 11 o'clock that night. Right. Um, but <clears throat> I, I don't, I, I don't know what the right answer is because if somebody I knew, and let's say that I have a friend who drinks too much and I know drinks too much and, and probably does drugs because they drink a lot and early in the morning, I don't feel like there's anything I can do necessarily other than to live by being a good example and still being a friend. But that's enough. I think sometimes I honestly do. Right. Because I feel like it's not me personally. It's not my job to go out there and right your wrongs. You know, like if, if, but I have acquaintances who, you know, have drinking. I have lots of acquaintances who have drinking issues. I'm an alcoholic. Most of the people I know and love are former drunks, you know, are currently Mm -hmm. being drunk, you know, and they've hit me up about it, but I've never gone to them and told them you need to get your shit together. You know, or your shit's all fucked up. Unless they trespassed on me in some way. You know, like come to my house and puke on my shit or something. Then I'd be like, you need to get your shit together. You puked over my shit. But I really honestly, I've had people reach out to me. And it always makes me anxious and grateful that Mm -hmm. at least me out here just doing me apparently affects someone that they feel like I'm the person they can talk to. But it scares the shit out of me too, though, every time. What scares you? that That they reach out to me for help because I don't want to fuck it up. You know, my doubt in my mind is like, don't fuck this up. Don't be a bad representation of, you know, of, of not the program, I guess, because I'm not representative of the program, but just a bad representation of what recovery is, you know, because if I look at my recovery, when I put myself outside of myself and I'm like, well, you're sober and you're feeling much better about life and things are getting easier, but you could be doing recovery much better, Jerry. But I'm also very critical of myself, so. (laughs) Right? I am. I'm really critical of myself. So other people see me and I don't, I imagine some people see me who are in a hard place and they're like, well, Jerry did it. I can do it. And then I'm, in my mind, I'm like, I'm barely fucking doing this. You know, some days, not every day. Uh, Well, a couple things on that. One, it sounds like overthinking. Sounds like classic. Oh, yeah. Alcoholic overthinking and over being really critical. Yes, neurotic Jerry. Two, the fact that you were barely doing it. Mm-hmm. is a huge testament because one, I knew you when you weren't doing it and you were yeah. a fucking mess. So if yeah. you were barely able to do it, awesome. And two, you were a, a huge reason why I was able to get sober. I mean, I didn't, yeah. I didn't yeah. decide it. I didn't, I didn't sit there on the couch with that last Pacifico going, you know, I want to be like, Jerry. <laughs> I'm going to be sober voluntarily, voluntarily, today. Just yeah. like Jerry, what I thought was when you, I mean, and you didn't, no offense, you didn't come into my mind in that moment necessarily. I didn't, I didn't expect to. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't yeah. actually. I'm grateful. Yeah. Um, but you were the first person that I thought I should really reach out to this person and find out exactly like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Because, right. Because, and all you could say was, well, here's the deal, John. This is what I did. This is how I got through it. And this is, this is how it went. And if this doesn't work for you, that's fine. And that's what I would say, too, to somebody. It'd be like, hey, there's lots of different ways to do this. I can show you Mm -hmm. how it worked for me. But, but yeah, in those moments, I was like, you know, and shortly after, I was like, well, I need to get a hold of Jerry. Because even if he's barely hanging on, even if you're your worst fucking day and you're like, all I want to do is have a drink because, you know, everything sucks and work sucks and, you know... My relationship is in the dumper and sobriety sucks and it's it's raining outside and fucking button pops off my jeans or something. I don't know. You know, my Fitbit doesn't work and whatever it is, you know. 
even on those days where you're barely making it, you still made it out because you yeah, didn't you didn't I, have I, to make it out. No, no, I didn't. And and you know, and not to get too deep on that shit, but we live in a culture and a we live in a drinking culture. This country is a drinking culture, mm-hmm. and they tell you, well, it's okay to let loose and get loaded. Just don't get loaded and loose all the time now, you know. And some of us, I can't. Get, not get loaded and loose all the time. It's what we were made to do. Get loaded like, and loose, and uh, you know, but don't 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 overdo it. But, but uh, here's but do hard... it responsibly. Mm-hmm. But get wild. <laughs> be irresponsible, but be irresponsible responsibly. It's like fucking crazy shit. And you want to drink alcoholic liqueur or whatever alcoholic seltzer now? Sure, why not? It's just fizzy water. Why not? Yeah, it's just fizzy water that yeah. make you fucking piss your pants and crash your car. That's cool though. <laughs> It's, it's, I like. I took us down this road. Yes. By the way, I took us down this road. Well, and it, it's it's absolutely a hundred percent true. And one of the books that I'm reading right now called the This Naked Mind. Yeah, that you you eh. turned me on to. Um, and she Annie Grace talks all about that. She talks about the culture of it and why and and that. Um, you know when you start to realize what alcohol is, what it does, how it works. And how it works against you, you go, God damn, this is really like so prevalent. You know, would I say, would I say, hey, yeah, the, oh, there's this poison that will uh, drain my bank account, destroy my relationships and make me feel horrible. Yeah, let's get some more. And, Bring you know, she talks about like the dopamine and how dopamine is not, it is not a reward you get for getting the thing you like. Dopamine mm. kicks in before you get it. Dopamine is the thing that goes, Ooh, yeah, where we need to we need to find this stuff. That's the mm-hmm. that exciting moment when you decide you're gonna pull off and, and hit up a bar and go sit on it. Or hit the liquor store. Hit the liquor store. Yeah. yeah. You got the yeah, the the bottle and the brown bag in your lap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The dopamine pops up when I have these little fantasies about finding a nice dark, cool bar to go sit on a, you know, squishy stool and get a yeah. nice big glass of something brown and yeah. And so that stool is so full of farts, dude. That <laughs> stool, that whole bar smells yes. like barf. Stools full mm-hmm. of farts. Front Ugh. door fell off. Exactly. Somebody... Front door done fell off, dude. <laughs> so, what was my point? Just, just uh, this naked mind and talking about the dopamine and oh, we're talking about cult, how our culture is geared towards it. It is know? geared toward it. Um, they, they, they tell you, you drink too much. They tell you to drink, and then they tell you you drink too much. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's uh, but I mean that's just the hypocrisy. Of, yeah. Of I think most cultures are like that. I think I think we're human beings. It's just part of our malady of 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 existing. The, it's the just fallible human being, human existence. Yeah, fallible human existence. You know what I'd like to hear from on mm. topic is I would like if we have any listeners who have gone through an intervention, what their experience was like. I'd like someone to send me a message you know, through the Instagram or through the email, I'm very curious because I've never had, I've had lots of people tell me I drank too much, but I never walked into a room and got ambushed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that show that you and, you know, you and our homeboy used to watch. <clears throat> Dude, so you guys, I used to watch it and laugh. Yeah, both you guys, it would, you'd watch that and fucking Hoarders, like back to back. It was like a depression cave <laughs> and Law and Order. And Law and Order. So, um, but yeah, I used to watch it and laugh. And now, I mean, I see yeah. things so differently now. And I, I know that that sounds cliched but i just i mean i don't really i don't watch that stuff anymore because it makes me sad yeah um and you know i would want to help these people rather than laugh at them yeah but yeah it's just i can't i can't believe that whatever man whatever you like to watch and 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 however you like to watch it is fine by me but i just my brain has changed Right. No, it's just you have a, a different. Well, I mean, I imagine people can st- listeners that watch it and and maybe enjoy it or feel enjoy feeling compassionate towards this person, you know, yeah. towards this person or feeling empathetic. You know, I couldn't watch it back then because I I was like looking at my future. Oh, it was, dude. It was you... like a crystal ball. So I'd walk into the house and you two fools would be sitting there and you'd be smoking. You know, smoking cigarettes, watching some dude who's just crushed like fucking 14 fucking Seagramices mm-hmm. sitting in a La Quinta with his parents. Just, you know what I mean? And like you guys would laugh and I'd just be like, man, this is this is my fucking future. I can't handle this shit. Like, I wonder if that had something to do with the fact that you were the first one of us to get sober because you 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 obviously had some awareness that you were turned off by it because 
it reflected to you what you potentially could could go down the right road i, I never Dude, saw it, that it all changed after olive was born yeah like it all changed after and even not even when i got married that was fine i was like you know what i told my wife like i'm a fucking drunk I might die drunk. I don't know. I just know that I drink and that's what I do. It's like punching. I get fucked up. I'm sorry if I'm mean to you. You said this I'm sorry to her? If I'm me- yeah, straight up. Like I was very honest with her, you know, but we were both drunk. She was drunk too, you know, because yeah. she would try to, she would try to keep up with me and then she'd be like, oh, I'm normal. I'm not like you, you know, <laughs> and I'd be like, I'm a fucking drunk. I might die this way. I had no plans on getting married or being with anybody. I just wanted to keep doing this until my body fell apart. But uh, then Olive got born and it really changed, you know, it just changed my perspective on all the things. I was like, fuck, I'm responsible for this person now. You yeah. know, like, fuck, I got to make sure that I don't fuck this kid up, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's around the time that I'd come over to the house and you guys would be watching this wild shit, you know, oh. and I had like a little baby at the house and I was like, I still drank. I mean, I drank for four more years after that, yeah. you know. Yeah. But uh-huh. I think that was it. It was pr- that one perspective shift. And then going into recovery, there was another perspective shift. You know what I mean? It's like you mm-hmm. just gain more and more focus with each perspective <clears throat> shift, you know? Until you know. it comes down to the point of having to say no permanently. Um, right. I th- but even I don't think of it permanently still, dude. Like, no, 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 no. Uh, let, me, let me rephrase not permanently because we can't – again, I can't tell the future, but uh, right. the – the daily reprieve of saying i'm you know i'm not going to drink today it's my maintenance you know it's like i yeah because if i start thinking even now i'm almost at five years and even now if i think about the permanent aspect of it it kind of gives me vertigo a little like i'm like oh that's kind of big you know but if i'm like man just today maybe you know what today and tomorrow like i'm already (laughs) into tomorrow you know like okay the next two days next 48 hours i think you'll be all right you know well yeah i got plans tomorrow i gotta keep so I can't. I gotta do this podcast once a week, you know. <laughs> That's my second. Um, I'm just joking, by the way. I love doing this podcast. Do you think? Um, do you think if you relapsed, you would still come do this with me and talk about it? Or I mean, I guess it would depend on the relapse. But I've thought about that actually. Me I'm too. like, huh? If I started drinking again, would I still go on with John and be like, "This is what active alcoholism looks like"? Although I don't know if that would be, be beneficial for everyone because we all know what active alcohol yeah. looks like because we've all been there, you know. At least you and I have. And I imagine some of the listeners have, you know. Well, I mean, just I've been mean, like, well, I know what that drunk sounds like. But I mean, you mean from the experience of a relapse? Yeah, not that like maybe not actively relapsing, but if you had relapsed and come back and... If I had relapsed and come back, I would still do the podcast. But if I had relapsed, I'd be like, can't, I can't honestly sit here and do this, you know, and be fucked up while doing it. I wouldn't feel right. No. I, I, oh, man, even this recovery shit's fucked up my whole idea of all that shit. Can't. It has. I remember I first went into the program. My dad's like, it's going to fuck you drinking up all. all. If you start drinking, it's going to fuck it all up, you know. And you didn't, like you won't you be didn't able drink to... after that. Right? I didn't I mean, drink yeah. after that. Yeah, no, I, I haven't relapsed since the, well. You have Since the first time I attempted it. I attempted it twice. One, I didn't. I attempted it once. And the other time I was sober because I was high on Percocets. Mm. And I've said this on the podcast before. I got in a huge fight with my wife. It got really fucking ugly. And I said, I'm done. I'm going to take a break. And that I'm going to take a break for a week. And that break lasted like 48 hours. Then I was barbecuing two days later. And I was like, you know, be good right now. Some whiskey. And then I was just like getting fucked up all the time again. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I was the same way. I didn't I didn't think about it as permanent. I, I just thought I'm gonna need, I need a break because I had taken small chunks of time before and I thought take a break clear your head everything will be fine. You took a month and we gave you so much shit about it. I know. Can you, you... took a month and we were all so fucking mean to you about it. I was really mean to yeah. you. Coda, yeah, our friend Coda was really supportive, but I was just like, yeah, that guy's a fucking quack. You need to get back on the fucking get off the wagon. That's right because I went to a, I went to go see a doctor and the doctor said you need to stop drinking now. And then he basically said, you need to stop eating sugar. You need to stop eating salt. Like all these things. He said, all this shit you're no doing caffeine. Now. <laughs> he said, you're, and this is when I was, I don't know, probably early thirties or something like that. Yeah. So this mm-hmm. is like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so I think at that time I went two whole months. It was like November and December. And I thought, oh, I'll just go until the first of the year. Right. Mm-hmm. And no sooner did the first of the year come, and I was tending bar on New Year's Eve, and it was fucking shot o'clock, New Year's Eve, bam. 
Like yeah. I did not wait. I didn't hesitate. There was no thought of. It was only. It was a tw- two month reprieve to not drink just so I could drink. I knew exactly Again. when the clock was up. Yeah. Right. To drink the exact same way you're drinking before. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's why this month off, this November, what are they called? Sober October Sober or whatever. October. Sober I don't know what we were, mm-hmm. they were calling it, but it's like I take a month off just to start back up drinking the way yeah. I was drinking before. So what's the fucking use in taking a month off? Yeah. But if the month off helps, like I've always said that too. Yeah. You're like, man, I feel wonderful. I think that's this is the hope. fucking great. I think that's mm-hmm. the hope with these things is that people mm-hmm. – um, when people set them up and I know there was this other, if anybody, there's another one, this guy's name is Andy Ramage. He's Uh an English guy and he was on the rich roll podcast recently. And he talked, he did one called, it was called one year, no beer. And Mm -hmm. his whole thing is his, his approach is I just want to talk to the moderate drinkers. I want to talk to the drinkers who don't think they have a problem. And you know, his whole thing was, I'm here to tell you that if you are an artist who drinks, you'll be a better artist. If you don't drink, if you're a parent, Mm -hmm. You'll be a better parent if you don't drink. If you're an athlete, you'll infinitely be a better athlete if you don't have those two beers at the end of the day. Right. Um, and so he did this whole program that he called One Year No Beer. And I think that that's the hope with any of these things is that, hey, just try it out. See what you what you think. Not everybody's going to be into it. Not everyone's right. going to be interested. And I, I, I get what you're saying about like seeing it on social media and going, I'm already planning. I got three weeks till my first drink and I'm going to have this. I can't wait. That's to what this. bugs me about it more than anything. It's like the wine mom thing. Mm-hmm. Like those things. Yeah, they're innocent, I guess. But eh. anyway, guy didn't mean to interrupt. That's me, all. Guy. Just, uh, you should check that out. It's, it was pretty cool, uh, conversation as well. You know, a, th- a thought occurred to me while you're talking about this guy talking mm-hmm. about, you know, you'd be an infinitely better athlete if you didn't have those two glasses of beer every, you know, a night or whatever. And it's, it's pretty funny because culturally we look at smoking as like this evil, vile thing that gives you cancer and kills mm-hmm. you where drinking is this evil, vile thing that gives you cancer and kills you. And they tell you now, like, you know, even if you smoke one cigarette a day, you'll notice a detrimental effect to your health. And I, I, I would probably i'm not an expert but i imagine that even drinking one pint of beer a day would probably be detrimental to your health than not drinking one pint of beer a day yes you know they always talk about those studies where if you have one glass of wine your heart rate and then they go back and debunk those studies and then there's a new study and i'll like and then there's always some guy some woman who's lived to be 105 and drank jack daniels and smoked marlboro reds all her life and right so i mean you know her genetics are fucking pure (laughs) iron she's like by the way i was a coal miner yeah Yeah. so i think again it's it's personal choices that we all have to make and and yeah and it's it has to be for me if it wasn't voluntary, if I had been forced into it, I don't think I would have stuck it out this long. I don't think that I, I would have. I don't think so either. I don't think that I would have found the value because I didn't find the value in it right away. I didn't. I don't think that I maybe a little bit. There was like a small pink cloud where I would be going to meetings and texting you back and being all excited about shit and like one day at a time, yeah. bro. Yeah. <laughs> but I really didn't start feeling and I hate to say that. I mean, there were benefits immediately, right? There were benefits that I wasn't hungover, and those were exciting. That I felt like I had a superpower. But right. I still was <laughs> feeling normal every day. Was your mutant ability? It That's was. Great. It was. I could wake yeah. up. I'd wake up at you know 10 a.m., which you know is still pretty late for some. And I'd be like, Oh wow, I'm not hungover. This is crazy. This is I'm awesome. A yeah, dude. <laughs> like coffee doesn't just like get me back to normal. It like pe- perks me up, but. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like there were, I, there were lots of benefits along the way, but it wasn't until that like 18 months in or something like that where things shifted to even a bigger, um, there was a bigger shift in perspective and there was this bigger mm-hmm. shift that this is a lot larger. It's not just quitting alcohol. It's trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing here and not in any sort of, you know, what job am I supposed to do or, and what exactly is God and what is awareness and this idea. Um, and I'm reading the, the Pete Holmes book, which, uh, mm-hmm. called sex, God comedy, I think it's called or yeah, sex comedy. God. Like yeah. It's really good. But he talks about awareness and meeting Ram Das and all these things. And I just get, I've been getting excited with, you know, recently with these bigger questions and bigger ideas and, 
and what how can I be a part of something bigger greater than myself right right so all these things that you're that you you know in my particular program I'm handed a book and here's everything right here and I'm like yeah okay great okay so what am I supposed to do right now because I don't want to read this shit yeah things start to come together and I'm going oh so it's almost four years next month right so it's less or a little over 30 days and all these other things things that I was reading back then are now starting to make a little more sense to me and Mm -hmm. that's where I think the idea that I need to stick it out for another year right so or just another (laughs) day but right but when I look Mm -hmm. back on my sober history and I see these little jumps and these little steps. And I see I see some missteps, too. I see a lot of that that period, that summer. I think it was the summer of 17 or 16, 16 I was. And I was like, I'm fucking done with this. I can do this on my own. I don't need to feel obliged to no one. And I right. didn't. And I was fine. And I survived. And nobody was concerned. I'm not, I won't say nobody was concerned about me. But nobody was keeping tabs on me. And nobody cared if I... If I was reading my book or going to my meetings or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So these all had to be choices I had to make, and and it it I can't imagine it being any other way now because it all taught me something. And I know this sounds so corny to say, well, this is not some what what is this bad thing teaching me? You know, it's right. We're, we're, I don't think that sounds corny, but all, I, I know where you're coming. We're all from told that. that that you know, we're, there's 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 no mistakes, Jerry. There's just lessons in life. And right. it always comes off as some pithy platitude, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I start to make that shift and I start to feel that way, shit really does feel better, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I had a no. Re- it does. Yeah. I had a really shit day the other day, and I was like, mm-hmm. the cloud came quick, and I had a um, uh, I just had this. The, I don't know what exactly like set me off there was something about well, I was working on the podcast with my girlfriend that we're, we're putting together in the vlog and I put something out there and she was like she just said hey this is both of us so I really need you to you know take that into consideration before you release something out into the world and mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that that's absolutely a hundred percent if we're doing something together please just run it by me first and yeah. it set me off as in, well, look at all the fucking shit that I'm doing, and I can't believe you didn't appreciate me. And and she right. didn't say any of this. She just said, hey. And I didn't say this to her, but I felt this, right? You thought it. I yeah. thought it. And then I had to go to work, mm-hmm. and I was having a particularly shitty day at work, and it lasted all day and all night. And I came home, and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And what is any of this worth? And who's listening to any of the stuff that I'm putting out here? And blah, 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 which... right. This is not, none of those things were true. And I woke up the next day and I felt a lot better. And I, it was just a bad day. And I I didn't, but never once did I think about drinking. Well, I thought to myself, a drink would fix this, but for like a minute and then I would be in worse trouble. Yeah. So, um, when I think about being voluntarily sober, I think about mm-hmm. all those things. I think about those are the reasons why and the things that I might come to expect, like the positive things. I think, and I have to like look at my track record and then I go, well, that's my track record. So if it's getting better every single day, then don't let some little bad feeling about that you didn't feel appreciated, John. Right, <laughs> right. Especially it's a feeling you manifest on your own. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like this is all... Mm. You did this to yourself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that comic on the internet where the guy's riding a bike and he sticks a stick in the spokes and the front spokes mm-hmm. and crashes and he's like, fuck it, Obama or yeah. whatever. And it's like, yeah, you did it's that. you did that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't know how often you do that to yourself. <laughs> I mean, every fucking days, day, yeah. dude, every day. And I, ch- I have to check myself while I'm in it. I have bad days all the fuck. I'm like made of bad days, man. <laughs> or, but it's not even the entire day. I get like two, three hours. It's usually at the end of the day when I'm hungry or lower blood sugar or just feeling really overwhelmed. I mean, this move has been like, I was joking with someone last night. I'm like, fuck, I only had two meltdowns on this entire move. So we're doing great. 
Like I only had two mini nervous breakdowns where like uh, my wife, like we were on the phone and at one point she was getting so irritated with me. She just fucking hung up. She's like, I got to go and hung up on me. <laughs> and it was because I had locked myself out of the old house, which was like a mile away. And I had to walk all the way up to all of school to get the keys from her and walk back. And that's not how I wanted to start my day walking two miles before walking another eight all around the house, you know, painting and filling in holes and shit. I think I logged almost like 10 miles that day on my Fitbit. Jesus. And so it put me in a real shit mood and I was like grouchy and yeah. Yeah. But I did it to myself, you know, like, and that was, that literally was like the worst problem I've had in the all month that I locked myself out of the house and had to walk two miles round trip. That was my worst problem. So I had to put that in perspective. You know, I'm like, look at your worst problem this month yeah you know fuck dude you know yeah. your power's on you didn't <clears throat> fucking punch anyone drunk you didn't cheat on anybody drunk you didn't set the house on fire you didn't crash your car like you're doing all right dude you had to walk two miles big baby your kid doesn't remember you being drunk not at all yeah yeah, yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. that's it's huge and there's this other thing that i i learned i was from the, i was reading that um in that pete holmes book and he's actually this it's a trip man he's he's a trippy dude like he's a super fucking spiritual guy he talks tells this story about going to reading ram das and meeting ram das who's this super spiritual guru dude right and uh, and i don't know all the stories so if, if i'm saying anything that's misrepresenting ram das or any of that stuff i apologize but um his thing was he said hey Go ahead and, and sing happy birthday in your mind, just to yourself for a second. And then he said, now who's listening to that? Mm-hmm. If you're singing it, who's listening to it? And that's the awareness. That's the that's the thing we're all trying to, that I'm trying to plug into. So if we can... If we can find and plug into that awareness, then everything else is just static and we can listen to it and we don't have to be a part of it. And it's sort of that idea of, you know, when you try to sit down and meditate and all you can do is think, I'm going to try not to think. And then all you and do then is you think. just, yeah, you just <clears throat> attach to the thought. Yeah. But if you can find that level and I kind of try to imagine it somewhere up on above my head of mm-hmm. like awareness and just being aware, you know, what sees, what sees out of your eyes, Jerry, what's, what is, what is seeing behind right. your eyes? That kind it's of like stuff. It's like the right? passive, the passive observer that lives in your mind. Yeah, right. The passive observer. So yeah. everybody has one and we're all, it's all connected somehow. And, and so this is something that I've been, I've been kind of thinking about a lot lately is how do I tap into this awareness? I don't know. I mean, that's all. That's as far as I've gotten. Alt. Right. I'm just looking at you blankly because I'm like, I don't fucking know, man. Good luck. I'll I have check no it idea. later when I figure yeah. something else out. You figure but... it out. You tell me, and then I'll try what you tried. Because I'm like, I don't, I don't. I, but man, I'm like living out of a Safeway bag right now. So I need to just... tap into my inner fucking, you know, dresser. Jerry's upset because well, he's not upset, but Jerry. Doesn't have anywhere to put a shampoo bottle, so there's hair care products. So there's Yo, no, it's the fucking me up. Is... They're not even mine. I don't have any. Sh- I'm oh, okay. out of shampoo. I have to go buy more. It's all a Megan stuff, but I do have stuff like my pomade and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I found drawers for that. But I am upset that I don't know where I can put the five, no, ten bottles of fucking sunscreen. Why do I have ten bottles of sunscreen? You should like... just mix them. Do like a little blend. Just one big bag of it. Just, <laughs> it's all going in a Safeway bag. <laughs> I'm gonna find an old plastic one because in Eugene they don't give you plastic bags you like get, I said earlier. You, yeah, they don't give you. They don't really give just you in a produce in one of those fruit bags they yes. give you. Just mix them all in a bag. <laughs> exactly. Like a tie it like up like an a pastry icing. bag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Olive, come on, come on over here. <laughs> it's sunny out. If you're gonna go outside in the sun in Oregon, we need to uh, give you the old mixin, the fixin' and mixin'. Fixin' and mixin'. Um, yeah. But yeah, man. I mean, if, if your biggest problem is you had you had to walk two miles, you're supposed to walk two miles today, Jerry. Yeah, you know? what the like, fuck? Yeah, exactly. But it upset me, right? Yeah. I got frustrated, and then my wife called me, and I like changed the plan. Or no, she just dictated a plan to me, which I had assumed had changed from the original plan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Why are you adding extra shit to my day that I don't need? Don't you know I just walked two miles round trip to come back to this house to paint over spackle holes? You know, like." don't you know that I'm moving out of this house right now? And she's like, yeah, motherfucker, I'm moving out of the same house. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, after it all went down, I really sat down and was like, man, 
Like you were really feeding into that like little voice that it's for lack of a better term, it's that bitch voice. And I don't mean that in an offensive way. If you're a bitch, mm-hmm. good for you, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But it's that bitch voice in my head that's always like, oh, it's too hard. It's too much work. Why do you have to do this? You know, and it always creeps up when I'm weak, when I'm feeling like emotionally weak or physically weak, like feeling I, 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 I relate it to like being having a low immune system. But having the mental version of a bad immune system, you know, like your immune immune system's low, but mentally. Mm-hmm. So then those negative thoughts creep in. So there, in turn, is what I've always kind of related relapse to to myself personally is that if I let my mental immunity go down, then I'm more susceptible to my disease. You know, it's just like having. To me, it's just like having any mm-hmm. other long-standing type of disease. You know, some autoimmune disease that only you know you get the flu and then all of a sudden you're on your fucking deathbed you know Mm -hmm. or like any of those types of diseases you know like that are just uh what's the word i'm looking for just that last rest of your life i know there's chronic chronic thank you that's it and not dr dre's chronic no boom that's a good album though that is i don't i don't like west coast gangster rap no no. i I was the east coast guy but anyway (laughs) i even like chronic 2000 I didn't like any of the Chronic albums, man. I I fucked with Wu Tang. I fucked with Red Man. Like I liked East Coast shit a lot more. The '90s were crazy for me because I grew up on the West Coast, loving the East Coast. So two two things um, about what you just said that I heard. Hmm. Um, as far as I understand it, there are literally only so many good decisions you can make. You get decision fatigue in the course of a day, right? You've heard this. Have you heard this about this? No, I've never heard this, but it's an interesting thing. So the more decisions you make, the more fatigued the decision part of your brain gets. I don't know the exact terms. I am not a scientist, but... Right. I I need to look this up because I already... Please do your homework. I'm going to have a conversation with my wife about this and be like, look... Look, science says it. I'm gonna go I'm gonna look some some stuff up for you too. I'll okay. look it up. But so by the end of the day, if you've made all these decisions, that's when bad decisions creep in, you know. And you go, well, fuck it. That's when you say, ah, fuck it. I'll just I'll just drive through Jack in the Box. I don't want to cook dinner. Or yeah. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Um. I know that one. And yeah. so you have to be. I have to be. Um very aware of those and when i'm in those moments that i kind of just say you know what i can't i don't have i don't have the capacity for this right now whatever that mm-hmm. may be and and that's okay too i can't really make decisions right now we're just gonna have to not um but also when you say things i, I heard you say my wife changed the plans on me and this yes. this is a classic um alcoholic thing for me and my alcoholic brain is when things don't go my way, when things, when I am forced to do things involuntarily, when it's, it goes against what I had planned for the world around me and my day to Mm -hmm. go, I am fucking angry. I am frustrated. I, my, my hands go up and I can't do anything because fuck it. We'll just go have a drink because this is not the way that I wanted. It's not my favorite way to go and do things. And so, it's just interesting when you telling that story, I was just like, those that's exactly my alcoholic thinking is it's yeah. not going my way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly how you learn patience other than continually practicing it. Practicing Honestly. It. Thank you. Yeah, because like for me with patience and I'll always have this idea in my mind in my recovery that one day I'll be here, one day I'll be here, one day I'll be here, you know, and, and I think in early recovery, I thought it would just happen suddenly that I would have all these epiphanies. Mm-hmm. And I realized the epiphany doesn't really, it's more of a realization now that I'm like, oh, oh, that happened really slowly, but it happened. It just takes time, you know, like yeah. all of it takes time. Dude, it, it didn't, takes, yeah, it, it really does today, maybe yesterday, like, I lift dumbbells in the morning now, kind of as like yeah. a little mm-hmm. to wake me up. And I kind of just do, I don't know, like 20, mm-hmm. I don't know, two reps at 15 or 20, something like Let that. Let me know if you get serious. I got some I got okay. some YouTube videos I can send you that are corny as fuck, but they're helpful. Okay. And yeah. it, the last couple days is the first time where I felt like I wasn't just lifting, like my arms weren't in oh, I don't want to do this. And I would just do it till it hurt and mm-hmm. then I put it down. And then they started to hurt a little bit, but I felt like I wanted to go further. And so right. when you talk about those epiphanies, 
I had to go, I had to lift weights begrudgingly and intermittently and not consistently for, Mm -hmm. I don't know how many months I've had these dumbbells for years, but for the last nine months, inconsistently, poorly done and, and neglectfully to get to a point where now it's like, oh, that's how it's supposed to feel. And so this muscle is finally Mm -hmm. formed by practicing whatever it is, patience or gratitude or any number of things. And but I had to, I had to want to do it every single day, even if I didn't yep. want to do it that much. <laughs> right. And that, yes. that was yeah. fine oh, too. Yeah. To the, it gets to the point where you start looking forward to it, which is mm-hmm. once again, like even practicing in recovery, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I Just, had, you look kind of look forward to like, oh, I get to like live my life today. Maybe this will work. Yeah. Even something as simple as that, man. Just living your life. I went out and I did a little. I did a little yeah. run this morning, and I felt mm-hmm. the same way. Where I was like, uh, "Just get out there," and oh uh, man, maybe I'll just do a mile and I'll just come back. And then, yeah, but like after that first mile, and things start to f- like flow, and you're like, yeah. "Oh well, why would I want to stop now? Like this is just getting good." So the f- making you... what? No, no, go ahead, and then I'll. Ask I was just going to say making that first decision for me to get up and out of the house led me to feeling good, even though that decision was not one I wanted to make. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I still mm-hmm. did it regardless of how yeah, I felt. Once you get over that hump of reluctance, it becomes something you look forward to, you know? Um, did you see a guy have, who was having a business meeting in the woods today or something? Is that what you were talking about on Instagram? Like you saw a guy in a suit, like a Van Housen oh. suit oh, shirt. No. So no, this is okay. I'm glad you asked me this. So I went on this I went on this hike yesterday and I prefer uh-huh. the hikes to the like the city runs and being up and down on the on the sidewalk. They're fine, they're great, they're important. But I went on this hike and I'm I'm hiking up this hill and it's got a pretty s- steep grade and it's got a trail but it's also kind of paved for some kind of small vehicle to get up to the top if need be for whatever right. reason. And I'm going up and I'm having a tough time of it and I'm kind of trying to, you know, trot a little bit, have, you know, keep up a good pace and this guy comes barreling down and I just read this book I told you about called Born to Run about the yes. Taro Mara yeah. mm-hmm. and they're this this Mexican tribe of um, runners. And so this guy and he's got this dark like sort of bronze complexion and he's got the shoulder length black hair <clears throat> and it's kind of like how I imagine these Mexican Indians would look, right? right? And he, he's got a big smile on his face and he's got a dress shirt and dress slacks and what I appear to be dress shoes, not sneakers. And his shirt is tucked in, his tie is still up to his to his neck, and it's just kind yeah. of thrown over his shoulder, and he's running and he just gives me a smile and keeps running. And I'm thinking, like, what's he doing up here at the top of this like weird national park? Like he didn't look like an employee. He was right. his dress was so out of place, and I was like, is this one of these like runner Tar- dude, Taro, Taro like, Mara. I don't the know. Spirit of this Taro Mara, dude. You're having that magical thinking, <laughs> and it was just such a trip to me. You manifested, and I, I almost wanted to like stop him and say, "Hey, can I ask you what you're doing?" Or I want to. I should have. I should have said something. I don't know. Or take a picture with right. you, or like something, because you don't see that kind of stuff. Usually, I see people on the trail, but it was just right. so strange to me, and I don't know who he was, but. This is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He was, dude. I mean, like, but I'm just, I was thinking in my head, like, this guy just decided he needed to go do a quick, like, fucking six miles, because that's how long it fun. took. Right. But he didn't. He didn't have his stuff. He didn't have his gym bag, uh-huh. so he just had to get it in after work. It's like, fuck this. Just got a promotion. Got to celebrate by running up a mountain and back. That just it blew my mind. I just that's it was great. it was so weird. That's what I that's what I was trying to convey on the Instagram story was that it was just like, what the fuck? I, I saw a lady today. I went to Safeway to go get um, in the morning. They mm-hmm. weren't like oh they were fucking Diet Coke <laughs> shit. I went to Safeway to go get my my half rack of DCs mm-hmm. and some spinach. I had literally bought that, and then I was walking back, and this older lady came up, retirement age, like mid to late sixties. Mm-hmm. She had on a gray shirt and just in plain, plain sans serif, just plain lettering font on the front. The shirt said, "I just want to hang out with my dog." 
And she was walking her fucking dog. And I just smiled at her. And she smiled at me. And she, like, made my fucking day, dude. Because uh, it was so simple. Like, she was just, like, walking this. And this dog was old as Methuselah. Mm-hmm. This dog was, like, a mummy. It was old as fuck. And it's like, I just want to hang out with my dog. And I think at the end of the day, John, we just want to hang out with our dog, man. Word. Thank our you. inner dog. Our inner dog. Who doesn't? I yeah. mean. Well, then if you don't good. like dogs, whatever it is. Your inner spider. Or inner cat. Or just want to hang out with your inner inner yeah that made no fucking sense <laughs> i like that though i just want to hang out with yep. my dog yeah just want to hang out i should have gotten a picture of her man this is like, what i'm saying you are but i'm like you're fucking doing great because you are hanging out with your dog right now so fuck yeah this wasn't just like, like i wanted guy. to make fun of this guy and take a picture of no him. Was just it was just you were amazed. like mazed yeah you know yeah there would have been times in my in the past where I'd want to take pictures of people because I thought they were fucked up or weird or made me yeah. laugh or I wanted to make fun of them, but right. I don't know. That's the people like that. Like I don't know. Are those people real? Were they? Does it matter if they're real? I guess through the magic of long-term sobriety, we've learned to appreciate the world around us. <laughs> Amen. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah.